and learning to pray like Jesus. And so over these past few weeks, we've talked about how our prayer life begins in relationship with the good God, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Um, We've talked about how our prayer is fueled by the desire to see God's reign revealed among us, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Um, And then last week we talked about give us this day our daily bread and how God is even, he's concerned even with just the unimportant and trivial things in our lives, like that stuff matters to him too. So this week, this week's part of the prayer is forgive us our trespasses, that's how I learned to say it, debts is another, another version, as we forgive those who trespass against us or our debtors. And so like I said earlier, um, in my opinion, this is the most difficult passage in the entire prayer. So thank you, Justin. <laughs> uh, when he told me a couple weeks ago that he had some open dates coming up throughout this year that he was going to be gone, he asked if I would be interested in filling in for him on any of those Sundays. And like always, when this conversation happens, my immediate response is, nope, nope, not interested. <laughs> He's got plenty more qualified people like Josh. I don't know why Josh isn't here doing this, but um, he picked me. There's so many people. He has a bucket of, of people. Um, but what usually happens with me is that I get this nagging voice inside of my head, and I try to ignore it, and it keeps saying, just ask him what the topics are. Like, just, just ask him. It'll be okay. It's safe. And uh, I kind of tried to shoo that voice away and eventually gave in. And I asked. And so he started telling me a bunch of different things that he was going to be talking about this year and um, how one was going to be talking about the meek. Um, there was something else that I, it was, like, not interesting at all to me, so I don't even remember what it was. <laughs> and then he said, and then in January we're going to be talking about forgiveness. And I thought, dang it, I don't, like, don't say forgiveness, like, this is not, I don't want to talk about forgiveness, like, any of the topics, anything else would be fine, I had kind of hoped that nothing would compel me, um, and that I could just, like, make up a nice big excuse about, you know, being too busy, because I'm a pre-K teacher, and uh, I could get out of it, but nothing like that happened, and this kept just whispering to me, like, I think it was really whispering to me, like, this is a topic that you need to deal with, and so, therefore, you need to talk about it. And so I didn't get out of it, as I had hoped. Um, So the thing about it is, though, that like most things in our life that are difficult, um, it turns out that we become better, stronger, braver, um, and even more compassionate people when we jump in and do that difficult thing. So this is my way of doing that difficult thing, and I think God's way of making me face some of the things in my own life and that I need to deal with. And forgiveness is one of those. Forgiveness is so, so difficult, right? I'm not alone in this, right? Asking for forgiveness is difficult. Like, I hate, probably like most of you, admitting when I'm wrong about something, right? Um, I hate asking for forgiveness for something. And honestly, it doesn't seem to matter if it's, like, going to somebody like my husband who, like, loves me unconditionally and I have to ask him for forgiveness or if I have to ask for a friend for forgiveness or even when I have to ask my kids for forgiveness. Like, it's not easy anyway. And honestly, what I think is more difficult than swallowing my pride and going to someone I know and love and confessing that I've messed up is giving forgiveness to someone who's wronged me, especially when that person doesn't want to be forgiven, right? Like that surrender is more difficult, at least for me, than confessing is. And but for some of you, the opposite may be true, and that's, that's fine. So this morning, uh, we're going to be talking about two things when it comes to the prayer of forgiveness found in Matthew. And those two things are confession and surrender. When Jesus taught us how to pray, he said, forgive us our sins 
as we forgive those who sin against us. And I believe when it comes to praying about forgiveness, there are two, these are the two ways that Jesus wants us to do when we pray for forgiveness. We need to confess and we need to surrender. So the first one, confession. This is difficult. And it's difficult because I think it's easy to hide, right? It's easy to hide, especially in our world, because we are surrounded by news bites telling us how bad the world is, right? And this allows us to compare ourselves with, with what's happening out there, right? We can um, compare ourselves to the latest gossip that we hear on Facebook. Uh, we can compare what's happening in the staff lounge, you know, like um, we can compare just about any way, and it makes us feel better about our own lives. So it's easy to hide in our sin because, you know, like, after all, like, I'm not as bad as fill in the blank, right? The latest drug addict that got busted this week, um, the guy who got fired from work for stealing money, um, the woman who was arrested for abusing her kids. Like, I don't do that. I mean, I'm not even as bad as my neighbor who cusses, like, all the time, right? He's like, no other words. But we hide, and we compare, and then we justify, right? Because, like, I only cuss when I'm mad, so I'm not that bad, so, right? <laughs> but when we compare, it makes us feel better about ourselves, and then it becomes easier to look at our lives and think, like, I'm doing okay. I don't really do any, uh, anything that bad. You know that I'm a good person. So there really isn't any need for me to ask for forgiveness, especially, like, on a daily basis because I'm a good person. But if we go back in the Bible just one chapter earlier before the Lord's Prayer, in Matthew chapter 5, we can see that Jesus wasn't talking about the big things that we do that we need to confess. Jesus talks a lot about our hearts, and he's concerned a lot about what's in our hearts. And in Matthew chapter 5, the chapter before the Lord's Prayer, Jesus goes as far as to say that if we look at someone lustfully, that we've committed adultery, Right? Like, just by our eyes. We don't even have to act on it for it to be a sin. Like, sin is in our thoughts as much as it is in our actions. So we need to stop hiding and comparing ourselves to others and, and really take a look at our hearts. Um, easier said than done, right? Like, a lot easier said than done. But none of us is without sin. And none of us goes through the day without looking at somebody in judgment or maybe gossiping about somebody or something. And even though those are the little things that we do, how many of us have big struggles in our life that we need help out of? And so what do we do about that, right? We confess. And confession is not something that comes easy because we live in a put your best face forward, right, world. Like, that's the world we live in. Hello, Instagram, right? Nobody, like, everybody moves their dirt out of the way so that they can take the perfect picture. Like, you don't see the whole picture because we want to look strong and we want to look brave and we want to look perfect. And confession makes us look weak. It looks like weakness. But here's the thing, guys. Like, what is not confessing? really doing to us? And what's it doing to our hearts? Like if we're hiding in our life, if we're ignoring big or little sins in our life, like what's happening inside? First of all, we begin to struggle with more issues than just the sin itself. It becomes bigger than just the sin. We begin to struggle with feeling guilty maybe. We maybe start to feel anxiety or depression. And maybe it even amounts to like anger that we have towards ourselves for not being able to break that cycle of sin. Like, dang it, I didn't want to do this, and here I am again. Like, I made that decision to do it again. And so maybe it's time to do something really difficult, something big, that will make us better in the long run. I think maybe what it's, it's time for us to stop, stop putting that best face forward to everyone and put our worst face forward to somebody, just one person, confession. 
Because what we've been trying to do with this like faking perfection is not working for us. We need to find someone. We need to find someone that we trust. We need to find someone that loves us. We need to find somebody who can help hold us accountable. And the thing is, it doesn't have to be formal. Like it can be as simple as going um, on, on a run <clears throat> with your friend and just being brave enough to ask hard questions and give truthful answers. You know, talk about life stuff, what's happening, and being brave in that. But maybe it is doing something bigger and you know more formal. Like maybe it is seeing a counselor or joining a group like AA or Celebrate Recovery. But the thing is that. Any of those situations, either one of those situations, the big ones or the little ones, it's not weakness, and we need to realize that. It actually takes a crazy, crazy amount of strength and bravery to go into that. And it will help us begin to live a life of freedom from, from that and not captivity. Because after all, Jesus came to set the captives free, and confessing our sins to God and to others will help set us free. So the second part of confession, which I think is just as difficult, but I think it's maybe more practical, like maybe a practical way of doing something, is, is by doing a daily heart check, going to God daily, like every day. Because God is concerned with the condition of our hearts, and we should be too. And honestly, like this, this is the part that's hard for me in the whole confession thing, and I think it's probably because I also get stuck in that belief, like I'm not that bad, I'm a good person, um, but we need to ask him to reveal daily the sin in our lives. Like, we need to ask for that. Are we having other bad attitudes in our life that we need to get rid of? Are there selfish desires? Is it gossip? Is it lust? Because God is concerned with our hearts. And so it's not always about, again, what we did today. It may not be about an act that we committed. It's about what was in our heart during the day. So asking God to reveal those areas of struggle and confessing. Um, asking God to open our eyes to passing thoughts, harbored anger, whatever it is that God wants us to see. So, as I was researching and studying about forgiveness, because honestly on Wednesday, like I had nothing except for a song in my head. Like, oh, it's just so hard, right? Um, but I was researching and um, studying about forgiveness, and I googled the phrase heart check, which is kind of, I realize now it's kind of vague and maybe even stupid. Like, what does that tell you? It doesn't tell you anything. All this medical stuff popped up um, about checking for heart attack symptoms and, you know, that kind of thing. So not really what I was going for. But as I continued to scroll, I ended up stumbling upon some information about Celebrate Recovery. And Celebrate Recovery is a Christ-centered recovery group for people str struggling with addictions um, and compulsive behaviors. And then, and, and I was like, okay, this might be interesting. So I kept going a little bit further, and I found a lesson from Celebrate Recovery about relapse and what an addict can do to help prevent relapse in the future. And then the lesson, they had used the acrostic relapse to give the person steps in preventing um, and avoiding relapsing. And so that acrostic spelled out, the R was to reserve daily quiet time with God for self-examination, Bible reading, and prayer. It's like, okay, that's good, because that's what I was trying to think. Like, every day we need to go to God. The E was to evaluate, and the E actually stated, do a heart check. And I was like, yes, this is awesome. Like, this is so great. And that heart check, heart was an acrostic too. So evaluate yourself. Are you hurting? Are you exhausted? Are you angry? Are you resentful? Are you tense? Like, what is going on inside your heart? 
And then L was listening to Jesus, like what's going inside, and let him speak to you and show you those things. Um, A was spending alone and quiet time because Jesus spent time with God, and we should too. P was prayer. It seemed to be very repetitive. Do you see like a lot of spending time with God, praying, checking yourself? And then S, of course, was slow down enough to hear God's answer, which is something that, like, how often do we do that? Like, from the time I wake up, there's, like, noise all the time until I go to bed. So take time to slow down and hear what God has to say. And then E was enjoy your growth. Like, enjoy and celebrate the small successes in your road to recovery because it's, an, it's a journey. And so looking at this, I thought, oh, my gosh, we can totally apply the same principle, this acrostic for relapse, um, and how we confess our sins to God. Because just like those in Celebrate Recovery who make the difficult choice every day to battle their addiction and get well, we can battle the sins in our own lives, no matter how big or small, just by following these same steps to prevent a relapse in our sin and to live into forgiveness and freedom and health. And like I said earlier, it's a journey. So the song that I said was playing in my head on Wednesday was a song by Don Henley. And he had a song called Heart of the Matter that he wrote several years ago. And so I woke up Wednesday morning with just kind of it on replay, the same chorus over and over again until I finally had to stop during breakfast and Google all the lyrics. So I was like, what is, like, what's going on? Like, why is this in my head? And then these crazy things happen to me all the time. I, I look up the lyrics, I go throughout my day, I get in my car after school, turn the radio on, and what song is on the radio? Don Henley's Heart of the Matter. I, I kid you not. Like, that was, I was like, really? This is random. So, at any rate, I feel like maybe God was trying to tell me something. Um, and there were two parts of this song that kept kind of haunting me all day. And one part says, I've been trying to get back to the heart of the matter, but my will gets weak and my thoughts seem to scatter, but I think it's about forgiveness, even if you don't love me anymore. And then the song goes on to say, there are people in your life who've come and gone. They've let you down. You know they've hurt your pride. You better put it all behind you because life goes on. If you keep carrying that anger, it'll eat you up inside. So I think that he's a little unrealistic with like just kind of get over it and move on. Like he's a little harsh with that, but this is the same man that also wrote a song called Get Over It. So maybe <laughs> he's not the most compassionate person. I don't know. I don't want to judge, but... I'm just saying, <laughs> I thought it was a little harsh, but he is absolutely right when he says that if we keep carrying anger inside of us towards people we don't forgive, it will eat us up inside, and we need to surrender it. And there are two things that I personally struggle with, um, <clears throat> when, that, two things that I struggle to surrender when I pray to forgive someone. I struggle to, to forgive a person who's hurt me, and they don't care that they've hurt me. It's just, you know, and I still care about them, right? Um, and I want to re reconcile it, and they're not interested in that. And then I also struggle with not holding a grudge after they've hurt me. It's so hard to actually stop carrying that baggage of anger that I feel towards someone and just wish them well. And I've been a pastor's wife for the last 18 years. Um, so I've spent almost half of my life watching people come in and out of our lives. Um, I've watched my husband pour countless hours and sometimes even years into someone's life only to watch them get mad and walk away, maybe because he chose our family's activity over theirs, or he tried to walk beside someone and help hold them accountable because they asked him to, and it was something that they ultimately didn't want, so they left mad at him. Uh, I've seen and read nasty emails written 
to him and us by church members tearing him down for the way he leads worship, all the way to family members that we've never even met saying mean and hurtful things to both of us because of the way we handled a situation that had nothing to do with that person. So it's really hard to watch someone that you love, as you guys have all probably know, it's hard to watch someone you love get chewed up and spit out by people he loves and cares for. And as his wife, oh my goodness, like sometimes that bitterness and anger, like it just kind of sits right here like a powder keg ready to explode. And I find myself often asking God to help me forgive that person who's hurt us. And then my thoughts begin to scatter and praying for them turns into replaying those events over and over that have hurt me. Replaying the scenes of what happened and what was said and what should have happened and what I could have done differently. You know, like, what will I say when I run into that person? Like, all that junk that I was praying to forgive starts to get all stirred up again. And it reopens a wound that I was trying to have healed. And so I wonder if we're spending, if you're like me, and you spend more time praying, um, if we're, wait, I wonder if we're spending more time praying about how to forgive somebody, or if we're spending more time, like me, replaying that incident. Like, are we play, praying or are we replaying? But maybe you find yourself in a good spot, right? Maybe you've been hurt, but you've been able to move on. Maybe you've even been lucky enough to forget about what happened, but then you run into that person or somebody who knows them, and they ask you about it, and then all that junk just out of nowhere comes rushing back, right? The hurt and the anger, we can't keep carrying it inside us. Just like that song that kept haunting me, it will eat us up inside, and we don't want that to happen. So I think the reason, like, ultimately that I struggle with praying to forgive others is because that this is a prayer of surrender. And in our revenge-minded culture, I think, <clears throat> I think we think that surrender means giving up or losing, right? And we don't want to lose. Like, we want to see justice. Like, they'll get theirs, right? And we want to see that happening. And we in West Virginia, we know what that revenge, like, we, we're deep-rooted in stories of holding grudge, right? Of, of holding grudge, like, you know, the Hatfields and McCoys? Like, we know it, right? It's part of our, like, DNA. <laughs> they feuded for nearly 30 years, right? And they didn't even formally reconcile until June of 2003, so think about that. This is a, this is a feud that, that started in the 1860s and didn't formally reconcile until 2003. So they had over 100 years of whatever happened from back then and this grudge that was being carried on. And, and in 2003, they had a formal reconciliation. And, and at this, like, they, they kind of had a party, I guess, and they stated the Hatfields and McCoys symbolized violence and feuding and fighting. But by signing, by signing this, the formal document of reconciliation, hopefully people will realize that it's not the final chapter. Like, that was not their final chapter. That's not how they want to be remembered. Forgiveness has something more for us. Forgiveness has a life of freedom waiting for us if we choose to surrender and forgive. And like, we may not feud with people as big as the Hatfields and McCoys, like, or Romeo and Juliet, or whatever story you want to put in there. But we do often understand what it means to hold a grudge. And we understand what it means to recruit our children into that grudge and then never forget the day that we were wounded or offended, right? But what good is it really doing us except for continuing a never-ending cycle of hate and bitterness and anger? But there's good news, right? It doesn't have to last forever. Because we have the power to break that cycle by forgiving with God's help and beginning again. And here's the thing. Forgiveness is not like a one-and-done prayer. And I think that's what in my mind I had kind of maybe subtly believed was that, like, I pray for forgiveness, 
and it's done. But the truth is it's a daily regular exercise of prayer and confession and surrender that we have to pray for God, to God. And forgiveness doesn't mean that the next time we see that person who's hurt us, that the wound won't be opened again. It means it's a journey of freedom we keep moving towards in hopes that one day maybe we will be able to wake up and stop replaying those hurtful things and instead truly in our hearts wish that person well and release them into the hands of God. And again, another thing that I feel like is much easier said than done, it's something that I struggle with daily. But like anything in life, difficult things make us better. I truly believe that everyday exercise and discipline of prayer and forgiveness for ourselves and for others will over time become easier. As our hearts will begin to soften and we'll begin to experience the freedom from anger and hurt that's been eating us inside. It's like regular physical exercise, right? It's a process and a journey. You don't just wake up one day and say, man, I'd like to get in shape and be a runner, and then boom, there you are, you're in shape and you're running a marathon. It doesn't just happen. It takes baby steps to get there. Because 10 years ago, I hated running. Like, I hated it. It was, ugh, I hated it. But I needed a way to relieve stress and anger in my life that I was dealing with, and so I began to run, and I began to set goals, 5K, 10K, 10 miles, half marathon. And it took me several years to get from zero miles to 13.1. It didn't happen overnight. It didn't even happen in a year. Like, it took a long time. And it wasn't easy every time. There were days that I loved running and came out, like, came home with such a high and such a great feeling. And then there were other days that I hated it, and it was hard, and I wanted to quit. But over time, the good began to outweigh the bad. I found friends to run with after years of running alone. And I think that the journey of forgiveness is the same way. Like I said you, earlier, you don't just wake up one day and it's easy and the hurt is gone. We need to put the hard work into surrendering it to God every day. And over time, he will work on softening our hearts and help us to truly become the person that can wish somebody well. And we need people around us to do it on the journey. It's not a solo mission. Here's the thing. If we walk around claiming God's grace because of the forgiveness he's given us, and we're not extending that same grace and that same kind of forgiveness to others, then we're living a lie. Thank you. <laughs> Jesus taught us to pray, forgive us as we forgive others. That little word, as. He's teaching us to ask God for the same amount of forgiveness that we extend to others. If we want to be totally and completely forgiven by God, then we must totally and completely forgive others. And so the verse just after the Lord's Prayer is Matthew 6, it's still Matthew chapter 6, verse 14, says, If you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive you. And I read that, and I was like, holy cow, that's no joke. Like, I need to be forgiven, so I have to forgive others, and this is a big predicament. But, like, it's right there, and it's written in red, so it's the important stuff, I think. So God wants us to experience his forgiveness to the fullest. And we will not be able to do that if we withhold that same forgiveness from others. So when I started thinking about this, I started thinking that maybe... Maybe forgiveness isn't just about the other person. Maybe forgiveness is about us. Maybe it's about God wanting us to live lives full of freedom. 
and to release someone and actually wish them well allows us to release ourselves from the bondage that's of harboring anger and resentment that somebody has over us. So I'm ready for you, Josh. He's going to come and close us in a song. Um, I do want to leave time at the end. Um, like, I just really want you guys to really think about, um, remember the words that Josh sang right before? That song kills me every time. Um, Lord knows they haven't done much good for anyone. They've kept me afraid and cold with so much to love, with so much to have and hold. Under the curving sky, I'm finally learning why. It matters for me and you to say it and mean it too. For life and all its loveliness and all its ugliness, good as it's been to me, I have no enemies, no hard feelings. So we're going to use the time at the end of the service um, just to take time and pray and practice the exercise of confession and surrender. Um, if you're old school or not, the altar is open. Like we have an altar here in this church um, and you're welcome to come up and, and pray. Um, I also want to encourage you to be brave enough to find someone to talk to and pray with. And maybe it's not somebody that goes to this church. Um, maybe it's somebody that goes to another church. But it's really important to have that person in your life that you can be honest with and open with and, and work towards that journey of freedom. Um, so if we just can work to uh, seek out that freedom that God has for us we can really begin to break that cycle and we can be people that walk in forgiveness um, because we are forgiven. So I'm going to pray. Is that okay? And then we can sing and you guys can have your moment with God. So let's pray.